Hi, Sheriff. That you back there, Walker? You all right, boy? Uh, he just had to take a leak, you know. I, I told him shut your mouth, diddle, before your brains fall out. Everybody's having a good time? Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, I love to see young folks having a good time. See, did anybody notice a strange smell around this particular area? No. Well, now, you know, I do. I smell that. You know, it has a queer effect on me. Makes me kind of want to find out where it's coming from. <clears throat> then maybe it'll go away. What do you think? <laughs> I, I don't smell a thing, Sheriff. I guess it's gone. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. Uh -huh. Oh, uh, by the way, any of you folks seen uh, Ted or Angie? Uh -uh. No. no. Well, now, you would tell me if you saw them, would you? I mean, it's not exactly like they're in any trouble or anything. It's just the folks a little worried about them. Hell, they'll get tired of it. They'll be back. <laughs> not like you, huh, Ramona? You never seem to get tired of it. Of course, if you hear anything, you let me know now, huh? Y'all have a nice day. You too, Chef. I was just showing your case for you. Bart, but he can't get it up. You mean you haven't tried him yet? <laughs> now, Ramona. Who the hell cares about Avery? I could be dying right now. That tasted awful. Didn't you ate it? You stupid jerk. It wasn't half gone. What'd you want me to do? Shove up my ass? Could you find it? I'll find your ass. Let's <laughs> go. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site Intermission number 38. I'm your host, Lee. I might be constipated for the rest of my life, Russell. And I am joined by my co-host, Lee. I never kid around when it comes to nailing Hardy. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, um, okay. What happened? My cat has this cat tree. Okay. Yeah. And she has this cat tree. She decided that she's going to jump from this cat tree to this cat tree, which she does a lot. But at the same time, she tried to catch the ball and missed it. So she flew into this pile of stuff. <laughs> so that is why I was holding my breath when I was trying I was, not to laugh. I was, I, was, I was wondering what startled you. It's like it was either, either the cat did something or Ryan came home unexpectedly or I, I don't know. No, my cat decided to do a really funny thing. Like, she just completely bailed. Like, she went for the jump, and you could just see her. She, like, didn't grip onto the first little pedestal thing, and she went, kind of, like, tried to get the second one that's lower and missed and just went right into everything. Goddamn. <laughs> like, she just couldn't stop herself. Like, it was just funny because, like, her paws were, like, just missing where she was trying to grab. It was funny. She's a little fucking evil Knievel, man. She's just... 
She is. Man. She's quite hilarious. Mm. But we're doing Death Screams from 1982. This is also known as House of Death and Night Screams. I actually know it as House of Death because this is one of the slasher films. This is probably, I'm not going to say it's the best slasher film ever because it's definitely not, but it's probably the one I've seen the most. And Why? Because <laughs> this is one of the movies that showed up on A&E in the 90s and was played in reruns all the fucking time. And it had titties. It did. It, it was one of the ones that the censors at A&E were asleep at the wheel, so they didn't really cut all the nudity out of it. They cut a few things here and there to make it you know, fit for running time and commercials, but they didn't really cut for content so much as they just cut for time. So there's stretches of this movie uh, that I can remember in the A&E version that weren't as long and plotting as, <laughs> as they are when you're watching the full version. So uh, yeah, we're, we're going to, we're going to talk about it. I think there's, and also I think even though this is not a great slasher film, it's a very weird one and it's got some unique aspects to it that I think are worth talking about. And you're, you, you're raising your eyebrow right now. Like you're doubting me here, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I have things to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we're going to take a quick break and play a podcast promo, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Death Screams. And uh, I don't know about you, Lee, but I think we got this, man. We got this by the ass. You ungodly warlock. Motion Picture Massacre is dedicated to exploitation, cult, grindhouse, and horror films from the last 7,500 fucking years. I don't fucking know. It's everything if you're interested in that check out motionpicturemasker.com or if you're on itunes search motion picture masker and you'll find it this has been your announcer cowardly fuck your bags signing off eat a dick you ungodly warlock all right death screams from 1982 now, this is unique because it's directed by David Nelson, who is the son of Ozzy and Harriet. Um, he's the older brother to Ricky Nelson, who branched off from the Ozzy and Harriet uh, thing to become a pop star. Uh, I, I think I think he died in a plane crash, if I'm not mistaken, something along those lines. But he, he actually was a kind of a burgeoning pop star in the 70s. Uh, it was get, getting very popular. But uh, David Nelson decided not to sort of really go into acting and being in front of the screen so much. He was much more a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. Uh, he actually directed several episodes of The Oz the Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. And he had a handful of movies as well that he directed. None of them are pr particularly notable. And he acted in a few things. He bit, mostly bit parts. Um, he was in the Cheech and Chong, Up in Smoke uh, he was in the John Waters film Cry Baby uh, with uh, Johnny Depp in it and shit like that. Uh, just just in a bit part. But um, yeah, it, it's just a weird bit of trivia that David Nelson directed a slasher film. Just sort of out of the blue kind of thing. Um, a lot. <laughs> uh, this is written by Paul C. Elliott, who has only one other writing credit on IMDb. 
Uh, he wrote like 26 episodes of Dolly Parton's syndicated weekly country variety series in 1976 called Dolly. And that's it. That's that in the slasher film, which is weird as fuck. I, I want to mention the, the person that did the score here because uh, I really do like the score in this film, even though it's, it does not fit the film much at all. It's fucking very weird. You're making weird faces again, Lee. You're making weird faces again. Um, I can't even hide anymore. Like now that we're live, I'm like, wow, everything that we do behind the scenes, like people can see it. <laughs> it's just like only one person watching, apparently, but you know. Um, but this is D. Barton. Uh, and. D. Barton is better known for he basically got discovered in a jazz bar by Clint Eastwood and Clint Eastwood had him do like three of his films, uh, play Misty for me, High Plains Drifter and Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. And then after his collaboration with Clint Eastwood, he kind of, I guess, fell in hard times because he was doing shit like this and a bunch of other films that nobody's ever heard of. But uh, I do want to talk about the score as we get into the discussion here, because I, I think it's kind of interesting. As far as the cast goes, I'll just uh, go through a few people here. Uh, Susan Kiger is the lead carpenter. Susan has a neat trivia note here. She holds the distinction of being the first Playboy playmate to do hardcore porno prior to posing for Playboy, which was a kind of a no-no. They used to be like, Oh, we don't want women who's who've done porn to show up in our magazine kind of thing. <laughs> but she showed up in the 1976 X-rated outing Deadly Love and subsequently became the Playmate of the Month in January 1977. Um, and then she went on to have a little minor kind of exploitation film career. She was in Hots, uh, The Return, The Happy Hooker Goes to Hollywood, and Galaxina. And most of the uh, rest of the cast here have basically done pretty much nothing uh they they all sort of had like oh we have like five credits in the 80s and most of them are things nobody's ever heard of we got martin tucker as coach neil marshall he was in rocking road trip and he had a bit part in maximum overdrive and william t hicks as sheriff avery he had a few credits in the 80s uh in the 70s and 80s he was in the midnight man tales of the third dimension and the order of the black eagle uh, Jennifer Chase is Rom- Romana. Uh, Jody Kay is Sandy. John Kohler is Diddle. Uh, Andrea Savo is Kathy. Kurt Rector is Bob. Josh Gamble is Tom. And Hans Manship is Casey. I have a synopsis here. With the summer nearly over and the senior class of 1982 preparing to go off to college, a small North Carolina town is losing some of the student body earlier than anticipated. Sheriff Avery is already preoccupied with the disappearance of General Store stock boy Ted and his girlfriend Angie when bratty Sarah winds up on the wrong end of an archery arrow after the town carnival. Resisting the overtures of town sex bot Romana, hunky coach Neil Marshall instead courts pretty cashier Lily, who usually spends her evenings taking care of her wheelchair-bound grandmother, Edna. When a group of high school graduates decide to have a party by the creek and then tell ghost stories in the cemetery, they soon become the targets of a machete-wielding killer intent on wiping out promiscuous young flesh. Sure, that's kind of the plot. Sure, I'll take it. (laughs) So I've seen this many times, and uh, I, I will I will say that um, this is the first time I've seen it look this good. You all subsequent releases of this were super fucking dark and chopped up, 
And even the A&E version I used to watch was so dark that you couldn't really tell what the fuck was going on in the movie. I have a comment about that. Yeah. Okay, go on. <laughs> uh, so did you actually rent it on YouTube or did you just watch the free version on YouTube? Okay, so you could not see anything happening. Basically. Yeah, so I didn't know who was dying. That was probably a big issue right there. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't tell who was dying. I all of a sudden just saw someone die. Like, okay, um, which person was that? And I couldn't remember their names either. Oh, my God. It's Please. it's it's doubly bad in the version you watch because, first off, yes, it's super dark. So half the time you can't tell what's going on. But also, the way the movie is edited, it's not done very well so some of the kills it's like very very weird like what's happening here like for the longest time even back when i was watching it on the a and e version on tv the initial kill at the beginning i didn't understand how they died <laughs> it, it wasn't until like i read a review of it years later like oh they were garroted by somebody it's like it was like did the train somehow how did they did they what what's going on? I don't understand why they're all of a sudden squashed together and dead. Like, makes no sense. But. It made no sense to me. I was just mm -hmm. I just knew they were dying, and I thought it was some alien movie because I thought it was like a spaceship in the sky. <laughs> I was all excited. I'm like, this will be pretty cool. <laughs> I was very wrong. <laughs> I kind of wish I rented it. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Mm. It was but, that bad. Uh, Mind you, I didn't. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I, I feel like I'm going to be explaining a lot of stuff to you in this in this uh, review, but um, but yeah. So the the initial two teens fucking on a motorcycle underneath uh, a bridge, and they're waiting for the train to come over. The dude has this idea that oh, it's going to be super hot if we both come right at the time when the train comes over the fucking bridge. That was basically the the whole premise of it, and so he's he's. He, at one point, he gets his dick caught in the zipper, and they're fumbling around. And then if you watch the cleaned-up version, you can actually see they pan down a little teeny bit when they're swooshed up together, and there's like a fucking rope around their necks. Still doesn't explain where they're bleeding out of their mouths, but <laughs> it's a slasher film from 1982, so that kind of okay. explains it. Um okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let, let's just sort of get into it, though. The stuff you could see in daylight, uh, take that into account and sort of give me your sort of general impressions on the film. The The owner of the store mm -hmm. was probably the worst actor possible. <laughs> like, he just had this thing where he's just reading his lines. He just constantly read his lines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Tell him that he's fired. Tell him that he's fine. Totally <laughs> fired. Even that's better acting than he was. It was like literally, you could tell that this guy didn't know what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Garbage. Then, okay, so uh, I kind of laugh about the whole thing that you said about one of the actresses because uh, I said the porn star looking for work as a joke because Ryan made the comment saying how um, a lot of these B actresses uh, are just in like were porn stars trying to get out of the business, mm -hmm. so they entered in these really bad B movies. <laughs> <laughs> and then you told the story that was exactly that. So I, I <laughs> and the uh, the irony is she's a Playboy playmate and a porn star, but she's the one who doesn't get naked in the movie. 
And it was the yeah. one that we, we we suspected was a porn star. Mm-hmm. That is the one. That's that's as soon as you gave me that description and you laughed, I was like, "Oh my god, this is perfect. This is perfect." <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay, so like you said, I watched the dark version, so I was missing some points, but. This movie could be summed up in about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like realistically this movie could just be summed up. Like you could cut out a massive chunk of it out of it and it would still make just as much sense than if they had this hour and 20 minutes, hour and 25 minutes, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Hour 28, hour yeah. 25. Who knows? Well, uh, I think that was hour 25, yours would have been hour 28. Yeah, a, th- a third of the movie is spent in the county fair. <laughs> Like, the first scene, the first scene they had in the county fair, they just drove me insane with the fucking um, music from the the carousel. Mm-hmm. That never stopped. Like they had the little <laughs> carousel, and then we're away from the carousel, and that music's still going. Like how close are we to the fucking carousel? Why is this carousel still following us? Like. Uh, Anyway, so that just kept going. Like, that music was just that whole scene. That was driving me mm-hmm. crazy. I'm like, why can't they just change the music? And then the same, like, they had this music that they used where something was going to happen. They did the anticipation something happened. And uh, the cat ran by. I'm like, okay, I see what they were trying to do there. It was supposed to be like a jump scare, but it failed, failed miserably. That's the, that is the single worst, most ineffective cat jump scare I've ever seen on film. It was... Because she opens the she opens the door, and they do the stinger and everything, and the cat just sort of casually walks out. And so I, I want to uh, sort of illuminate this uh, for the audience uh, listening who have not seen this film. There's there's sort of two stingers they do in this film. The this the score is fucking unique in the in the sense that like a lot of it doesn't really fit what's going on in sc- on the screen, and sometimes they try to make things seem more interesting than what's actually going on. There's two big stingers in this film that are sort of used around the kills or potential kills. And so I'll play the first one here. They do like a scream thing, and then they do the one with the fucking musical notes in the background. And I got to tell you, I kind of love this. Um, So I am under the impression that uh, D. Barton, who did the score for this, basically just had a bunch of musical cues sitting around that he had not used and he made a score out of them by patching them together. Um, Cause if you listen to the opening score of the film, it goes in different places and it just feels like a patchwork of different little pieces of music that he had sitting around stuck together. And then he probably actually wrote maybe like two minutes of synthesizer music that he stuck in as well. And that, <laughs> that was probably it. Oh my god. Okay. There's one point where there is like this piece of music that was playing where it's mm-hmm. entirely different than the rest of the music. Like none of the score was the same. It was like more of a classically music type thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and never do we hear any of that type of music, and that's when a murder happens. And I was so confused. I was like, what is going on? How? <laughs> You're supposed to put like the tone with the music? Like where mm-hmm. did that come from? Where is the purpose of that? I did think the one part I thought was really cool, so it does have his ups. 
uh, the intro, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally, where you see Scream, with the word Scream, it has that little, like, thing, and the yeah, screen yeah. goes according to that. That's pretty badass. I thought that was pretty clever. I enjoyed that. I thought that was funny. And then the boobs. And that was mm-hmm. it. <laughs> that was there, literally my two positives. <laughs> there is there is a pretty good amount of nudity in this. Um I love okay. My favorite my favorite nude scene is when uh the the horny one mm-hmm, Ramona. Ramona is at the coach's house mm-hmm. and she's getting undressed and he starts making out and he throws her in the shower and turns the shower on and she's just standing there like Ugh how dare you? I'm like, they literally wet her bra specifically. So it becomes see-through that yeah. scene was legit. Like, Hey girl, we want to see your tits. She has, she has the most sheer bra. Like, honestly, I don't know why she just wasn't topless. Like it, it is. There's honestly no difference. Even before they wet it up. It's like, you can see everything. Like it, and it's pretty much worse when it was wet. And it was mm-hmm. like, the whole scene was entirely pointless again, entirely pointless. Like, <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. This, this whole movie is and like my joke name for for this call is Red Herring. This is Red Herring the movie, basically. Like this is the entire movie is set up to make you think certain people are the killer. Like there at one point, it makes you think the the uh, the uh, fat town sheriff, by the way, the quintessential small town fat sheriff in this film oh. he's fucking he he is both great and the worst possible kind of sheriff you know like, hat and wiping his brow like mm-hmm. when you not see that in a movie <laughs> and the he, kids stealing porn like yeah quintessential like 80s movie right there like b movie the most- mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's, he's he's so good like but he's actually a really good actor so and he's sort of bouncing off a bunch of these amateurs like this is a very local rural production right like so this was shot in north in north carolina this is a time where there was all these sort of like little independent uh productions that it's like if you had enough money you could make a decent looking slasher film and try to sell it to a big studio and then it might get picked up kind of thing and that's kind of what's happening here so like there's a lot of amateur actors a lot of first-time actors William T. Hicks here is Cher Favorite. He was actually probably the most experienced actor out of the whole cast. And he's fine. Like he's he's pretty good, but he he just plays this like obese town sheriff just bumbling his way through this investigation. Kind of, you know, more more interest in catching kids stealing porn and people smoking pot than, you know, <laughs> really solving the case. Pretty much. But they set up like these red herrings, right? So like his his son is the mentally retarded, uh, mentally disabled. Is that better? Kit person guy who's with a disability person with disability, who is, uh, sneaking around in the, in the edges. It's like, you're thinking, Oh, is this guy the killer? Cause you know, he's, he's sneaking around spying on our, on our main group of people. I'm going to say right now, I never thought he was the killer. No, I didn't either. Like the, the red herring, like I honestly, at one point suspected the sheriff was more the killer when I was first watching this, like the first time. And I mean, when we discover who the killer is, it's like totally out of left field. It makes no fucking sense. It's like the red herring set you up for shit. And then when you find out who the killer is, it's like, what? The hour and 20 that you watch, hour and Mm -hmm. 10 that you watch, hour and 20 that you watch, the last 10 should have been stretched out 
and the hour mm-hmm. and 20 should have been cut back to about 10 minutes because I yeah. think there was potential behind this, even though I think it's a load of bullshit when these movies are made about hating sexually promiscuous women. Yeah. Still, there was an idea there that could have been uh, utilized a lot better than it was. There, so, like, uh, our and and what Lee is speaking of here is, so we get our initial kill at the beginning of the film, and then it's like forty minutes until our next kill. Like, it, it's literally forty minutes, I think, till our next kill, and that's the girl at the fair who you. So fucking random. Mm-hmm. Like she got an arrow in her and then she just runs away and falls down the hill and the arrow's gone all of a sudden and she's bleeding like crazy amounts. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to go in this carousel and sit on it. <laughs> it makes no sense. But it and is like, kind of weirdly so surreal. Cars around and nobody saw her. It was surreal. Yes. Yeah, yes. it was. It was very it, it felt like it was from a different movie, like the way it, mm-hmm. the way it was shot. Um, it does. Thought- it does. It does make sense in context when you when you find out who the killer is, and she's like the ex girlfriend of the killer, and she, you know, she, she like I'm I'm just going to spoil it. The killer is the couch, the the couch. The, the, the couch, the coach, <laughs> the killer is the couch, um, which makes no fucking sense until you see like his backstory in a flashback at the very end of the fucking movie, and but uh, she was the ex girlfriend of of him, and so like at the fair it sets up that she's like really jealous that he's sort of macking on our heroine in this film. And so she takes shaving cream and sprays it all over his fucking car, which is a thing you, if you're going to do that as a prank, by the way, people out there speaking with experience, I, cause I did it as a prank once don't spray it on, on the fucking paint job because shaving cream can actually eat into the paint job of a car. Just saying, or do it if you're not going to get caught. Well, yeah, but I I only did it to the uh, windshield and stuff like that because I knew better. But And so she gets killed for it. And it makes sense at the end, kind of, if, you know, if you actually, you know, the, the version you watched, did, did you even did you even pick up that it was the, the coach? I picked up that it was a coach, but yeah. I didn't know that was the ex-girlfriend. Yeah. It, it's kind of in throw, second, got second got killed, but it's it's kind of a throwaway dialogue. Like there's there's this extended sequence in the film, right in the middle of the film, where it's just characters talking about shit, and it's like the main character talking to her aunt about stuff, and or her grandmother about stuff, or whatever the fuck. And like if you're not paying attention to it, it's like okay, none of this makes any fucking sense. And even oh then, my god, the junk sale. <laughs> just the one toaster yeah yeah i mean it's a one toaster <laughs> town man like it's... it was just one toaster. it's like oh yeah i'm hitting the desk and there's one toaster and then the, the guy like fixing the thing when it's all together anyway i don't know uh yeah. and then <laughs> okay so there's a lot of this whole town fair that made me laugh because it was pretty poorly done for props because mm. a lot of the tables like the the bakery table was the most simplistic thing I've ever seen. Like nothing's covered. They're just plates of like things. Mm-hmm. And then the pie comes. And the background, there's like really nothing. Like, oh my God. This doesn't even look real. This literally looks fake. Like you could even this, like uh, suspend disbelief because you're like, this even looks like a setup fair. Like that's a that's a fair where there's gonna be a lot of flies on those like like <laughs> open plates of pie and shit. Yeah. Like I've been to small town fairs in the early or mid 90s so it wasn't mm-hmm. far off and they didn't look nearly that ghetto 
that bad. <laughs> uh, what, what did you think of the fucking kissing booth gag? I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought it was so stupid. <laughs> well, the reason I thought it was really stupid is because literally there's nothing to do with the movie. Like, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, had the, the the fair had more of a, an involvement with the actual story, I think I would have appreciated more because I thought it was funny. Like, it was kind of a cute thing. At first, no, I thought it was really disgusting because when I saw this, like, older lady in her, like, what? She looks like she was in her early 20s. Mm-hmm. Kissing, Kissing little kids. A little kid. Mm-hmm. I was automatically like turned off i fucking hate that shit i there's nothing about it that's cute to me like no mm-hmm. uh but the old guy that comes in every time she changes it to five dollars yeah out to lunch yeah that was really cute but again it just felt like a waste of time in the movie because i'm like what is this doing in the movie had they put the fair to be more of a storyline like it ties the storyline together properly i think i would appreciate it more because i think that would have been like a kind of side gag in order to relieve anything going on with the actual fair Mm -hmm. but all this was was like nonsense on top of nonsense on top of nonsense like i remember the first fair scene i turned to ryan i told him like what what was the point of that fair scene and then you had another scene that came up and then another fair scene that lasted like forever. Mm-hmm. And I made the joke that it was talking about like advertising a fair that was going on back then. Cause that's <laughs> the only thing that made sense. Like it was half the movie. Yeah. And it feels like they should have had at least one more kill in that. So there's a scene where our uh, mentally disabled red herring character goes into a like a house of horror kind of thing like that that's the perfect place to have another kill inside there but it makes you realize oh they didn't have the money to film like an in like to build in a mock-up of a ho- horror house inside and have they a kill even had him running out and later on someone coming in like they wouldn't have to do anything just had someone screaming coming out which would have set which would have set him up as an even more stronger red herring, by the way. You which, know why? Yeah. I figured out it was a coach uh, pretty quickly. Because as soon as he said, oh, I don't know if I'm going to come out there. And then he was into the, the cashier and they had that little flirty thing going on. Yeah. And she's like, oh, maybe he'll turn up. Oh, yeah, he'll definitely turn up. And he never turned up. I'm like, he's the killer. That's yeah. how poorly they hit it. Like, that's how, like, it was so foreshadowed terribly. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was just they tried to cover up with like, oh, I can't go out there, but he's flirting with her. I'm like, fuck off. No, you're the director. <laughs> um, so what did you think of the, uh, the special effects for the for the really good kills? Like it, it kind of it kind of back back loads the film with like a bunch of really good kills at the end of the film. And like that's basically where everyone starts getting picked off for like the last 15 minutes. Uh, again, I couldn't really appreciate it as much as you did because I, I honestly feel like I should have rented it just at least for this podcast because mm-hmm. it um, all I could see was darkness and then I could see like some blood sticking out, like coming out, pouring out, but there was nothing. I couldn't see much. I couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of sc- throat slitting. <laughs> yeah, there's some throat slitting. So- throat slitting like the uh, the girl who gets naked and skinny dips and then like runs into the the the, the constant oh. gag of the two bodies that are like floating down floating. the river yeah okay the funny thing was that girl was naked mm-hmm. when he got murdered and then when she's floating she has a tank top and pants that are properly on mm-hmm. and then at the end she's topless again because <laughs> there's a, the girl who was skinny dipping her boobs are out and then you see the other girl's boobs are out it's like her boobs were not out when she's floating down the river yeah and you know what uh 
one of the drawbacks of this film being cleaned up on the version I watched and brightened up and stuff is the girl who skinny dips when she's doing the backstroke into the bodies, you can clearly see she's wearing like a bottom again. Is she? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, but, okay. There was another scene too, where um, the streets were all supposed to be dark. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the heroine was walking home, I guess the protagonist was walking home. And you could see the lights from like the lighting crew would pop mm-hmm. up in the, the windows and places. And at yeah, one yeah. point, there's just random lights on the side of the street that they weren't mm-hmm. edited out. You just saw them and they were following her. I'm like, that's the camera, that's the lighting. Cause that's literally like if she's walking by herself and saw two lights following her, she would freak the fuck out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was like and- little areas like that that happened. And this film is very badly lit. But I, I will say, like for people who watch the cleaned up version, um, that is uh, for rent on YouTube. And this is taken from the recent uh, Arrow uh, Blu-ray that was just released this year, or actually last year, I think. There's some good kill scenes at the end, like uh, the Ramona character. Uh, it, it's more clear as what happens to her because she falls through the staircase right when they're in the house. Couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. I was I I under, kind of understood what was going on, but I couldn't see it and, until I saw that version that was cleaned up. This was a new revelation for me. I just thought she got like caught in the like the jagged like splinters and wood of the stair and got ripped in half or whatever. But no, it's like it's much more clear that the killer was in the basement and chopped her in half, and that he comes out like the basement door into the house kind of thing. That would make sense. Cause I was trying to figure out how he got uh, under her. Yeah. That kind of, then again, how the fuck, like if you fall through the stairs, if you've ever been under a set of stairs, like it's still pretty high. You mm-hmm. have to like literally like jump with a chainsaw. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess, well, I guess like the idea is that, uh, because where he, the killer comes out, there's obviously a staircase right under the staircase in the main house. Yeah. So he's like standing in the stairs and she's dangling there right in front of him and he just chops her in half or whatever. I guess he has that long knife. That's right. That makes sense. Yeah, he's got a machete. Yeah. Um, And there's a couple beheadings. They look decent in the cleaned up version. Oh, the the scene where the grandmother, you meet the... Okay, first of all, grandmother's my favorite character in this whole movie. Yeah, she's funny. She's hilarious. But she's in the kitchen and then they pan out and then there's that butcher's knife that's there. Mm-hmm. I was so hoping. I knew they were going to pull the whole fucking, we're not going to use this. We're going to make me think you're going to use this, but we're not going to use it. Because I was like, oh, perfect murder tool. That would have been perfect. That would have been a perfect moment. Wouldn't it have been weird if like it turned out it was the grandmother all along? Like, oh, oh she doesn't actually need the wheelchair. She's yeah, been killing this That would have been the perfect front, too. Like, no one would have guessed, mm-hmm. guessed it. Okay. One thing that really pissed me off in this movie, the sheriff ends up killing, officially killing the murderer. Mm-hmm. So the male had to kill the murderer, not the female who slit his throat or the fact that he fell down out of the window. Mm-hmm. It was because he got shot in the head by the fucking police officer. Yeah, there's no there's no real final girl trope in this. It's like she she manages to slit his throat, but he still kind of survives. Like he's like, honestly, he's probably going to die soon after anyway. But like basically what did, what happens is the killer the killer sees Lily and the killer is the, is the uh, coach. And he, he's like, he, he, he thought she was a good girl. Like she wouldn't hang out with these degenerates who are having sex and stuff. So that's why he was attracted to her, but he sees her there. And he's like, Oh, you're just a whore like my mother. And then we have this flashback all of a sudden where 
he's a kid hanging out with his hooker mother and her other hooker friends. And it traumatized them, apparently, because, you know, whatever. Hookers are bad. Yeah, hookers are bad, and they traumatize children, I, I guess. And fucking, so he lunges at her. She sl- she slits his throat. He lunges again, goes out the window, falls into the fucking basement, into the, stor- the storm doors of the basement or whatever. And he's sitting there, and then the sheriff comes up and shoots him in the fucking face, like, five fucking times. It's not spelled out in the film another red herring part of this we see the couch um the couch the couch jesus um, the couch? i can't the couch the couch is just sitting around and people are sitting on it um the the coach he, he he goes he goes into his garage and he hears a noise and then like he sees one of his uh, soccer balls fall down from up above and like the whatever uh, second story thing he's got up in his in his garage and there's this like backstory of how the mentally disabled kid who is also the sheriff's son, by the way, who is appar- apparently the boyfriend of Ramona until they had a car accident, which made him mentally disabled from whatever hit hit injury he had. That's why the sheriff doesn't like Ramona because he blames her. So like maybe she was jerking him off and they had a car crash or something. I, I don't know. Like it's, it, it's very, it's not spelled out enough. It, this is just like hints at things. But so basically what it was is like. That's not how it happens, but okay. The, <laughs> the, yeah. The, the guys, uh, the mentally disabled character's mother was telling them, it's like, you know, you can't steal stuff from, from the coaches, you know, sports program, which is something he was doing. He was like stealing things. So, it's kind of implied that he was like returning stuff to the garage and that's, that's what was going on. But the way the, the things filmed, it feels like the, the coach goes upstairs and just gets killed with a machete. Like they, they, it doesn't spell it out, but the body, the sheriff sees that falls in the garage is apparently supposed to be his son. So he's taking revenge for his son's death at the end is, is what's happening. But the film again, very obtuse. Does not spell it out at all. They also okay. Uh, I laughed incredibly hard when the sheriff went up to I, I believe it was the coach's place, and he was screaming or yelling, yelling at the garage, mm-hmm. saying, "Is anyone there?" And then we had a whole scene that happened, and they went back with the sheriff being like, "I'm coming in. Anyone there?" And it's the same <laughs> fucking scene. Yeah, 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 exact same scene. And I just it's a flashback. We're just going back. We're replaying, so you're caught up. it was so bad it was so bad it was so bad okay i'm sorry if you enjoyed this movie i i thought it was garbage no it's it's fine it's perfectly it's perfectly valid that you don't like it because especially the version especially the version you watched it's just there's no way you can really make sense i was so like when i was a younger and watching this on any and stuff i was intrigued by it and part of the reason why i was so intrigued by it because i didn't understand what the fuck was going on and every time i rewatched it i kind of hoped i'd pick more up and i really didn't <laughs> because they don't show you anything mm-hmm. they don't show they they honestly cut everything out don't show you anything they they spent so much focusing on the fact that they had this fairground to fill and fill in Mm-hmm. Then everything else is fucking useless. Like the party that they had, you thought there would be more to it. It was so minimal. Like 
it was just so like, okay, the girl goes skinny dipping. By the way, if my friend was gone on a party where we were drinking and smoking weed and they happened to wander into the woods, I wouldn't be like, oh, probably sad and upset. I'm not going to go look for her. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go fucking search for her. I lived in the country. I know what it's like. Like, it's not even the fact of, like, trying to find anybody who's creepy and something like that happens. Like, I'm, I, it's a small town. Less likely that that mm-hmm. happened. But there's so many fucking wild animals. There's so many fucking roots and trees and shit that at night, you could easily trip over something. You easily get caught on something. You could easily hurt yourself. So the first thing you're going to fucking do if you bring a group of people to the woods is make sure that the group of people that comes out of the woods is the same. You're not going to be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we'll leave them in the woods overnight. Like, especially spell town mentality, too. You, when you do that shit, yeah, you take care of each other. Unless you have somebody with you, you don't leave anybody. I mean, at, at the same time, it's fine because these are, you know, these are the quintessential. Uh, they're supposed to be like teens, early 20s, and they all look like they're 30. Especially that the the dude was the boyfriend of Ramona. He looked like he was forty. Like <laughs> he looked like he was pushing forty. This really um, really pushed like a lot of uh, sexism as well. Because mm-hmm. you know when the girls were in the house and the guy was leaving, like no, don't leave us. How are you supposed to protect ourselves? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and is, you know the the one guy ran for the truck and it's like oh wait for me I'm gonna follow you and like she's direct like two seconds behind him when they leave the house. And then when they get to the shot of them running, he's like a good like minute ahead of her and gets okay. to the truck. It is the most over-exaggerated thing ever because you see her and she's like, hold on, wait for me. And she's like almost at the car. <laughs> then mm-hmm. all this shit happens at the house. And then she's all she's further away. It's like the Monty Python gag where they keep like changing her distance. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened there. Like, oh, wait for me. And opens the car, sees a dead guy. Oh, no, dead guy. I got I to gotta say, too, their best kill effect is undermined by the way they shot it. Uh, it's the guy who goes out to look for the two got beheaded. And then he runs back to the graveyard and falls in the grave. And he's got his hands up on the grave and they get chopped off. That was great. And then they showed him going back and falling into the grave. And obviously, you know, his hands stuffed down in the sleeve and just some gore on it and shit it looks really bad. And it was, it was just so like the effect, like they had the actual, like, robotic hands moving which looked super fucking cool and then they undermined it with showing how fake it was when he fell back with his fucking arms cut and shit it was like man why did you do that you could have cut that like 10 seconds out of the film and that would have been like a great kill right there like fuck whoever filmed this whoever edited it was just like hey I'm gonna leave everything Mm mm-hmm <laughs> it it's 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 like the the, the this is there's there's there there's like potentially a good hidden gem slasher in this film if they had a good editor and they did not have a good editor it's it's I just mean, like, I, I, I don't think they had a good director either like I, yeah I it's, they might have made some other stuff that might have been good but this movie no because like I said the first hour and 20 minutes of this movie i'm gonna say the first the first little bit makes sense like the first intro yeah okay mm-hmm. cool with that that made sense then the rest until the last 10 minutes is fucking useless there's nothing that really builds up understanding anything like yeah. the whole carnival scene is entirely pointless there's nothing yeah. you do see the buildup of like the relationship between the cashier and the ex-girlfriend Mm-hmm. There is that, but that could have easily been done in one shot, like one scene. 
it didn't have to be as exaggerated as it was. And yeah. even the death scene that she had, where it was a totally different movie, when I saw that, again, I thought it was fucking aliens. Because when she went to this dream-esque world, I literally thought she walked in there thinking like it was like this mind control where there was going to be other dead bodies on this carousel. And they mm-hmm. just went there to die or something, like get their souls taken away. Anyways, either way, moment ruins because when I realized what actually happened, I was like, it, what was the point of it? Why did they do this death? Yeah, it, it makes no sense that she would run where she ran. Like, it, it, it just feels like she walked a, like one minute away from the, like, not even a minute, like 30 seconds outside of the actual carnival to like where people are parked. And then she runs to the abandoned carousel instead of back into the fair where everybody is, kind of thing. Like, it just, yeah, it made no sense. It's. It made none. Mm-hmm. And- just like falls down the hill with an arrow that magically disappears. And when did the arrow come? When did he become an archer? And mm-hmm. why don't you fucking scream for help? You see a thousand cars around you, open fields, tons of people outside. You're not going to scream? Yeah. And then the same thing with a girl in the water when she was screaming. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're going to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're going to like, she didn't go that far. They're going to hear her up the river screaming. I love how they tried to like make it like, oh, she's she's pretty far out. No, she's not. No. <laughs> not that far. You'd have to be pretty fucking far to not hear a scream, especially when you're by the water, by anything. Like I, f- trees- I think they walked in the opposite direction that she went in, too. Like, the way the camera's set up, where they're set up by the river and shit, she went that away, and then when we get to the shot of them looking for her, they're going that away. Like, <laughs> very bad filmmaking, kind of, like, just kills most of the good ideas they have in this film. And Was it's there just, good ideas? <laughs> I, th- I think there's some good ideas. As far as like trying to make a standard 1980s slasher film, I think there's some good stuff, but they keep undermining themselves. Like they just they just keep like shooting themselves in the foot every time. So oh, the scene even with the I, okay, I love the grandmother and I'm happy she was in it. Mm-hmm. But really she wasn't even she she was entirely unnecessary. Character. The scene with her and the daughter or the granddaughter where they talk about the mother dying mm-hmm. and like the father. Oh, you know that picture of your father. Like really what was the point of that? What was the point of that whole scene? What was the point of that whole scene? Explain what was the point of that whole scene. Nothing. Just just to further elucidate the fact that she's kind of conservative and she frowns a little bit on these promiscuous teens and stuff like that. I, I guess they're probably setting up another red herring with her, but they never really go hardcore into it is the problem. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. it was more to set up the fact that the cashier was like actually a good person. I guess that too. Yeah. With it's good person with like the curiosity of being bad. And mm-hmm. even when she was bad, what she wore this like cute little outfit that made her look a little more promiscuous. The whole yeah. time she was there, she was only interested in one person, which is what this guy wants. And I don't think she was drinking or smoking weed. She's just like, nope. oh, I just want to meet this guy. Like, really? I don't know. Yeah. I like this a bit more than you, but I, I do recognize its faults. I, I, I think it's not a good, I don't think it's a good slasher film, but it's kind of one that, I mean, for me, nostalgia and the fact that I've seen it so many times, I just kind of, I'm kind of attracted to it for certain reasons, but. Uh, and there's boobs. There's boobs too. Like at the end, there's just a floating amount of boobs. We have all these fucking death scenes, and we have a short explanation of why the killer did the whatever, and then it just cuts off to the fucking floating bodies where you see boobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but did, uh, did you not think that ending was ridiculous? 
No, it is ridiculous because it's just kind of like a weird joke at the end, right? It's just kind of like all oh, these bodies have been floating through the whole movie, and then now we have three bodies floating up against the dam or wherever they hit into. And which is not even that funny because it was in the country, mm. and it's easy to miss things in the country. Like yeah. I don't understand how this could have been a gap. Like I, I know there's plenty of places in North Bay that people don't see very often because it's a fucking country. It's supposed to be a small town. It's supposed to have like shit like that. How many people have you killed, Lee? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've lost count. Yeah. I'm just cold to it now. It's just one of those things where now it just happens. I'm like, okay, cool. Whatever. It's yeah. happened. There's nothing special about it anymore. <laughs> uh, so we don't have any budget or uh, box Was office. Was there a budget? This. I mean. <laughs> Whatever's in this left person's or whatever in this person's left pocket here. There you go. But I mean, <laughs> I think. budget. I think there was some I've, like there's probably about a million dollars behind this if, I, if I'm, I'm the guest at the time for for the time period, and it was I the carnival I, that paid for it for the advertisement. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you might not be wrong uh, because it's a very regional production. There's probably a lot of like local business involved in the actual funding of it and shit. Like I, I get no box office, but I'm sure it did okay. Because this is this this is the perfect time where something like this is released on VHS and it cleans up. Oh, it's just because there's boobies. <laughs> yeah, no boobies and killings, and they'll probably clean up. And- even even the boobies and the killings, like the boobies were hard to see because the movie was so dark, and the killings were hard to see because the movie was so dark. Well, it wouldn't have been as bad on like like initial VHSs and like uh, anything that they showed in the theater, like. Have you so. seen like the TVs and the VHS they had back then? No, <laughs> would have been better. I had like a high definition TV that like emphasizes color. Back then, we had our fucking tube TVs. That yeah, but you're you're TV. watching a you're watching a shitty print though. Like whatever. That's that true, print but on, I don't that, think that a VHS copy would have been any better. Or it, much better. It, like a first generation VHS would have been decent enough because it would have been taken from like either a negative or some sort of 35 millimeter master print. I feel um, though they just filmed too dark. Like they just, they did. Not... No, no, that's true. Like uh, with the VHS and the the TVs that we had back then, like the definition was not nearly it's still, it still would have been pretty dark. It just wouldn't have been as bad as the one you saw on YouTube. I'm pretty sure though. Um, I will. Di- I'll do this. I will find a VHS copy and find a tube TV and compare it to. Okay. Yeah, you 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 call me out then. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll get it done. Um, I don't have. I have a VHS. I mean, I have a VHS player. I have a VCR, but I do not have a copy of this on VHS or tube TV. So. Actually, just talk. Just just talk to Paul. Maybe he can find one for you. He's he's good at finding VHS copies of shit. Yeah, but find. Oh, I think I have some friends who still have two. Actually, fuck it. I could just go to like the bar in town. Be like, hey, let me buy that tube TV from you for like two dollars. <laughs> right now, you can, you can, like I said, you can get the Arrow Blu-ray, uh, which is the version you can rent on YouTube as well. Uh, looks really good, cleaned up, brightened up, and shit. Uh, you can see what's going on to the point where you can kind of see the sound of sort of the holes in the effects and stuff. And the, you know, the woman's no longer naked; she's wearing bottoms while she's floating backwards into the bodies and that kind of stuff. You know, you can do that. Uh, it's also an iTunes if you want to get it there, and um, so you can tell how bad it really is. Yeah, it, it's it's not a great slasher film, but I 
I kind of have a soft spot for it. What can I tell you? I, I can't like understand it. that. I can understand mm. that. I, I just, it's a massive no for me. Mm. I usually am cool with like these movies because something about them is interesting and fun. This one just, other than the, like one kissing booth scene and the grandmother and the boobs mm-hmm. and the scream thing. I knew you'd like the boobs. Which are all tiny, 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 tiny amounts of the actual <laughs> movie. That's like a percent of the movie. I do I do appreciate you making the effort to watch it, though, so we could talk about it tonight. It was, I struggled. Ryan was laughing at me because I kept looking. <laughs> like, I kept clicking the button to see how much time was left. He's like, you just want this movie to be over, don't you? I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, but I have to watch it. Yeah. You got anything you need to plug before we get out of here? Uh, for updates on the podcast, of the op podcast. Updates about the podcast, what's mm-hmm. coming up, things like that. Check out my Instagram at Mighty Tiny All Star. And as always, I'm going to plug in the fact that uh, there's tons of pictures of my dog and cat. Yes, and they're very much worth looking at. So there you go. Until then, tmbdos.podbean.com is where you can find all of our stuff. And uh, thank you, Lee. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For further episodes, our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. Thank you.